Welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig. And, well, we find ourselves in a predicament. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. To say the least. And yeah. uh, we've got more voicemails to go through this week than any other week. So we are going to have to capitalize on our time. Okay. So we'll go ahead and start off with voicemails. Uh, if we go over an hour, we go over an hour. I think we're both okay with that. But, uh, but yeah, I guess uh, just get rolling with it, Craig. You good with that? I'm good with it. Let's do it. All right. Let's do this and hear what people have to say. Well, this is, um, this is SD Brown. Steven, um, I'm going to get right to it. Uh, Drevno, I mean, it, we can talk about the weather and all that. Drevno, Drevno won't be back next year. I don't care what anybody says. I, if he's back, there's a problem. I mean, Pep Hamilton, he gets a pass, but Drevno won't be. He can't. He can't be back. Like this game is, it can't be put on the defense every every game. Not every game. And the offense has to do better. This night game crap really. That was stupid anyway. I mean, you know, you can't predict the weather, but just, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Play the game in the afternoon. That's not an excuse. Play the game in the afternoon, man. Play it at 2.30, 3.30. Under the lights, crap. I'm in Alabama, man. Things raining out here now. You don't, that's what happens when you play games in rain. It's hard to catch. It's hard to do a lot of stuff. Michigan made their mistakes. O'Connor didn't play well. McDoom with the stupid drop pass. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. He, he, McDoom and Crawford are two of the – they're not good receivers, man. I, I, I mean, I know some people may disagree. Those guys, McCrawford is not willing to go the extra mile. He, he won't reach for the ball. Grant Perry's okay every now and then, but McDoom and Crawford are two of the worst receivers that Michigan has. I, I, I can't wait to Oliver and Nico and Tariq are playing. He, and Donovan, Donovan's good, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I can't believe this game. I can't believe some of the play calls. These guys are crying. I mean, tears, whatever. If you, I mean, these tears mean nothing, man. These tears mean nothing because you should have played better. But the defense can only do so much. <clears throat> this is on Drevno. This is on Hamilton. And this is on Coach Harbaugh, too. A lot of this stuff is on Coach Harbaugh because some of these play calls are just stupid. They're just stupid. You know, some of these runs. Where is Kareem Walker? This guy was the number one running back out of high school. Like, where, where are these guys that are supposed to be playmakers? You telling me Nico Collins at 6'6 six, six, couldn't have made that catch if they threw it um, through a Hail Mary? You telling me that? That's what you're telling me. Like, I, good game, Michigan State. I did a lot of talking all week. I'll be the first to eat my words. Hey, they earned it. They won it with those two and three stars while Michigan's getting four and five stars and still losing. I don't want to, I don't care about these guys crying on the sideline. I do not. I do not. You should have won. Crime means nothing. You go out there and win. You have more talent. You have better coaches. You win, period. So they got to get back to the drawing board. But I can I, I, I can almost guarantee Drevner won't be back next year. No matter what happens this year, he will not be back. He's just not a good coordinator. People can say what they want to say. Tim Drevner, and I hope he listens to the show. If you listen, Tim, you're not good. I don't care if your son's a long snapper. That's probably the only scholarship he was going to get anyway, a long snapping scholarship. You're not a good coordinator, bro. I'm sorry. I'm 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 just disappointed because the defense can only do so much, and they're putting these positions every week to do the same thing. Something's got to change, and it starts with Drevno. All right. Well, dress, dressing that quickly. Um, we'll we'll definitely be touching on pretty much everything he talked about. 
Um, so don't want to dive too in depth with it right now. One quick thing I will say is I understand the issue with the weather and everything. Night games are popular. And plus when this whole thing got settled, actually maybe it wasn't that far enough in advance that they didn't realize that the weather was going to be bad. Um, but with the question of exactly when storms are going to hit, they're not, they're not going to really take into consideration a lot of things with storms up here, unless it's hurricanes, uh, which is the case that they get down South and everything. If there was something where there'd be a chance for that big of a storm, they'd work around it. But something with a, uh, rain or thunderstorm or anything like that, they're not really going to work around it. So, I mean, that was just one of the things where that's where it follows. So night games are still going to happen even with thunderstorms on the horizon. But yeah, I've definitely got plenty of thoughts to share about Drevno um, to kind of bounce off of what uh, Steven was saying, but Craig, your thoughts. Um, well, the whole night game thing is in a way I'm kind of leaning towards Steven. I've actually talked about this before, uh, I'm not a big night game for Michigan. Um, the very fact, yeah, it's cool. The lights, you got, uh, you know, the whole, the big house is lit up. It's at night. You know, it's, it's cool. You know, you think about Friday night lights, you're thinking high school, it's kind of the same thing. You get that kind of ambiance going. Yeah. I mean, I can see why people are drawn to it, but my problem is it's always, Michigan's not used to playing at night, and that's the thing I think he's getting at is even Ohio State. Ohio State's not used to playing at night, and if you think about Ohio State, they've lost big games, Virginia Tech, Michigan State. Uh, in fact, they lost to Michigan State a couple years ago in the rain, almost the same kind of weather. So it, it, I think that's where you're getting at is just Michigan's not used to playing at night. If we were a team that played you know, maybe four games out of the year at night, yeah, I could see that, and that'd be great. But we're it's just we're a team that's a, at noon, or we play it at the 3.30, 4 o'clock time, and I think that's where he's getting at. So, I mean, I don't mind it. I just don't think that we're a team. Michigan is always a team that just isn't used to playing with lights on, and you know, maybe that's a little bit distracting. So. I think that's kind of where he's getting at with that. Yeah, I would say definitely not more than once a year. I'd probably go with once every other year. But honestly, I don't think it's a bad idea to do it because especially when you think of the teams, the Pac-12 teams, you know, if you ever do match up with them, those are going to be night games. I mean, you might do, uh, you know, a home and away series with somebody in the future. So you're going to have night games maybe with that at some point. Also, with the bowl games, you never really know what's going to happen with that when you're going to be scheduled. So, I mean, it, it can happen. And honestly, you know, if the team isn't used to it and isn't prepared to it, it, there are certain circumstances that they just have to deal with. But uh, not to get too far uh, down that road, we want to keep moving with the voicemails. So we've got two. The next four we have are two and two. Two from one individual and two from another. So I'm going to play... Uh, two, and then we'll talk, and then uh, and then we'll get to the last two. So, hey, what's up, go blue guys? Um, Sean from Muskegon, uh, Irish Wolverine on Twitter. Um, and I'm just licking my wounds over this uh, over this loss to uh, this. Uh, yeah, East Lansing. Uh, I. I no, but, uh, we're we're here to O'Corn loyalists now, okay? Uh, that that's what I want to know. It seems like seems like they're all hiding under the same rock. Um, you guys talked about uh, uh, 
uh, quarterback controversy uh, before the season. I didn't. I, yeah, I admit I was wrong on that. But um, I don't. I don't. I don't like. I don't not like or, or, or favor Spate any more than than corn. I just don't believe in this whole line, and they're and they're rotating the uh, the, the left uh, the, the left side, and oh, I'm sick. Uh, I don't drink. I think I want some claw. Anyway, uh, <laughs> go blue. Yeah, everybody's got to find their way to cope with it. So here, we'll listen to a second voicemail. Don from Muskegon, uh, Irish Wolverine again. Um, yeah, Harbaugh can uh, quit with the showmanship and just simply win games, too. Um, you know, it, it compared to uh, what we expected out of uh, – there's so much. Uh, there's so much of being a being a, a distraction or whatever else that you, you might want to call it. Um, it's wearing off. Just win games. Go blue. All right. So there you go. Uh, Irish Wolverine, new caller in. I, I mean, I think he's called before a while back, but. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's called yet during this season yet, so thank you for the voicemails. Uh, yeah, one thing that I will jump on quickly with what he said, um, where he was uh, he was first talking about the John O'Corn loyalists, and then he was just like, I don't really think one over the other. I'm more on that side, where I think that we've seen, and I'll hopefully I'll remember this and we'll talk more in depth about it later, but I think we've seen so many issues from two different quarterbacks that play differently enough that we should realize that this is not really completely a quarterback issue. There's much more of, of a bigger issue here that involves the offensive line, that involves um, the performance of the extra blockers of tight ends and running backs that are put in the backfield, but also the, uh, the quarterback play, but then of course the coaching and the play calling, which yeah. we will get into further. But yeah, since we've had two quarterbacks out there with uh, different enough play styles, this is not just going to be fixed with changing a quarterback. So we'll talk more about that later though. Craig, your thoughts on those voicemails? Well, I'll, you know, now that you address that, and I agree with you, is um, I'll address the whole uh, Jim Harbaugh and I guess what he's getting at is the antics. And, it, you know, and I'm kind of leaning towards what he's saying is I think a lot of people are kind of a little bit fed up or a little bit tired of it. And it's not necessarily all Jim Harbaugh's fault. You know, he's a celebrity. He's more of a celebrity than any of these other big-time coaches, if you think about it. He is like the number one head coach celebrity out there. But the problem is – if you look at it, is there's too many, you know, it's too much uh, media on him on the things that are outside of football. You got, you know, talking about, you know, him doing the whole jackknife off a of diving board and the whole, you know, I get the whole sleeping over and things. It's just those kind of things, you know, outside of football when I think what he's saying is, dude, focus on winning. You know, I know you're taking your players to – uh, to Rome and and that's pretty cool but yet I'm think I'm always thinking you know what is Michigan State doing you know are they they got their head down they're probably not even think you know thinking about the media and not even getting any of the attention but yet they won and so that's a part of it is I'm wondering if that's just starting to little antics is starting to get 
a little bit old. So I, I get it. I understand people's frustrations, but honestly, I don't think it really has much to do with what's going on during the season because most of the antics go on during the off season. Right. And most of that deals with recruiting. And honestly, yeah, it can be a little annoying and everything, but if what he does even has an, enough positive influence on just one recruit to get them to come to Michigan over other schools, I'm fine with that. And like I said, most of it, if not all of the real antics goes on during the off season. So really, I mean, yeah, you can say quit. You need to win. Uh, yeah. It, does affect but not affect each other because really the antics are more usually more around recruiting and those things do help with recruiting. I mean, maybe there's not a report that you can print off and say, well, this was successful. This wasn't so on and so forth, but I feel like they're a little bit separate, but I do understand that people get that frustration then from it because they see all this other stuff and he's getting all this attention, but he's not having, this production that some of some other coaches are winning rivalry games and things like that. Yeah, so I think you're diving into Jim Harbaugh's, you know, I think a lot of us know Jim Harbaugh's life. <laughs> I mean, literally we almost know who his kids are. We know what is, you know, who his wife is. We know who he hangs out with, you know, we know he likes wrestling and you know, he had him at a wrestling match and it's not completely his fault. You got people with cameras. He's a celebrity. So he's going to get people. They're going to, you know, take a video of him at some place and, and want to talk to him. And that's what he does. So he's got, you know, a lot of pictures out there with him and people want to be near him. And I get it. But uh, if you take coach D'Antoni and you take Saban, I don't know about their lives. I don't know who the, his wife, is, their wives are. I don't know what their life's like at all. I don't know any of it. And I think that's what people are talking about is there's so much outside of football with this guy. And I think, think that's what they're saying is maybe focus on the football thing and i'm not saying he can't bounce both i don't know that i just know that I, you, that's what i'm hearing out there is a lot of people are just getting a little bit it's getting a little bit old and maybe not be in the limelight <laughs> so i don't know yeah no uh good points to uh talk about right there moving then to the last two voicemails that we have here from the same person so hey guys it's kirby so I'm uh, I'm headed back after uh, last night. It's Sunday morning, about 8:30. Um, had a great time yesterday at the stadium. So much fun, meeting so many people, so many fans that I've talked to online and uh, interacted with. It was so great. Um, frustrating game to watch. Our uh, our defense was pretty good in the first half. It was lights out in the second half. So Michigan State, I think, had two first downs in the second half, and that was it. Um, first half was frustrating for a little bit for defense. I kind of expected that my prediction was 28-14 Michigan, so I expected them to score 14 points. But the offense, the offense – just does not play as well as the defense and it's been the running theme this season and it's incredible that we lost so many players so many starters on defense and the defense is still so much better than the offense 
the pass protection is just not there. O'Corn didn't want to throw it away. Apparently, he'd rather get sacked than throw it away. I it, it was boggled my mind. I I just don't get it. We had two weeks to prepare for this, and this is what we put out there. It's just really frustrating as a fan to watch. So, again, I had a great time. It was a great weekend. Um, a lot of hours on the road, but it was worth it. A lot of uh, a lot of water I sat in for 20 minutes came down like a deluge, but it was fun. Had a great time. I would do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, just wish it had been a better win, a better game to watch. It, it, there's so many things. I, I can't wait to get home and watch it on TV and, and watch the film and, and replay, you know, rewind and replay and watch the breakdowns. It, we got a lot to work on, and it's late in the season already, if you ask me. Game five, four and one now. We should be better than this, especially when you have a bye week. Anyways. Thanks again for guy, uh, you guys doing the show. I, I love listening to you guys. Go Blue. I, I hate this Kirby again. And I hate to be one of those and another thing kind of people, but um, what's with the play calling? Uh, I, I know a lot of people have been talking about that the last couple of weeks, the last couple of games, but last night was I, – I was – I was baffled. I, I don't even like it was I think it was third and twenty and we threw a screen pass to the perimeter. It's like for five yards or six yards. Um or you know second and second and twelve and we ran up the middle. Like what are we doing? Like there's no creativity. There's and we had two weeks this is I can't get over that. We had two weeks to prepare for this. And there's no creativity in the play calling at all. There was one uh, reverse end around in the first quarter, but that's it. Like uh, something, give me something that's produ- productive. Like, and I, I don't know whose ego it is. Maybe it's ego driven. That goes, we're gonna make this work. I don't care how many times we're gonna do it. We're gonna make this work. I, I don't know what that is. I, uh, why? 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 It's not working. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyways, that's it for me. Um, I, w- uh, I got a lot more to say, but I'm I'm like I'm just gonna keep it to myself. <laughs> thanks again, guys. Go blue. All right. Well, thanks, uh, Kirby, for the voicemails. That's awesome that we you were able to make the game. I believe that you were one of the people that were saying on social media that you were going to make it, and uh, you were kind of looking for people. Unfortunately, Craig and I did not make it. I mean, we avoided the rain nice enough, but, um, yeah, we were hoping to get down there. I don't know if uh, you ran into Rashawn, but it sounds like you had a good time. Yeah, um, yeah it was uh, – with both your voicemails and what you said and everything, questionable play calling uh, that we will absolutely get into. Um, but, yeah, the defense and the offense both losing a lot of players, but the defense still, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody plays perfect, but, yeah, they uh, did a fantastic job first and second half. Unfortunately, first half they had 
relatively two big plays. I mean, the two touchdowns came on probably Michigan State's biggest offensive plays because uh, Lewerke had that long run for a touchdown. I mean, it wasn't all that long, but uh, it's not like they rushed for a ton of yards. It was, I don't know, something around 15 yards maybe. But then that screen pass just – I th- the defense got caught. Uh, they were all locked in on Lewerke on trying to get the sack and everything, and they got burnt, and they got a touchdown out of it. So, Well, that's um, what happens when you do a 3-4 defense. I mean, you're going to you're gonna rush, and then you have some open – and, you know, you didn't pick up your – you know, you if you buy into that, you buy into that, and that's what you saw in that play. So, yeah, so that that was a bummer. Those yeah. those were really two of the biggest, if not maybe really two of the only major mistakes with the defense, and uh, it cost them. But no, no way was this game the defensive defense's fault, which we'll get into more. But Craig, I'll let you comment on uh, what Kirby was saying. So, well, defense. Once again, showed up, you know, and, you know, there's times that the defense struggled a little bit and that's to be expected because if you think about it, Michigan's defense, they don't have a plan B as far as like backup players. You know, you, what you see is what you get and they're playing their lights and they're playing lights out and they're doing so well. Um, last year, obviously we had a plan A, plan B or whatever, and you just had two defenses, but this defense showed up. Um, I mean, where do you where do you start with this offense? Where you know where do you start with that? I mean, my thing was is obviously Michigan State came into this knowing that our defense doesn't play. It's a man to man defense. We you know we're not a zone defense, and and Michigan State used used more of a zone defense at that time. I'd like to see our defense be a little bit more zone, but Michigan State had a more zone defense, and that's why you saw a lot of those. Um, interceptions <laughs> so and that's why he threw them and that you know and that's the result of that when you use a kind of a zone back there defense is you get a lot more interceptions but um yeah um defense did their job i mean they did pretty well and me i think the best part of the defense was the secondary <laughs> i actually think the secondary being as young as they are and we will say that uh they're young they're a young team the, the defensive secondary was questionable all year, but yet they showed up. They've actually been doing very, very well. So, Yeah, Michigan State didn't even get 100 passing yards. So. And I don't really think Michigan State scored, has scored a point in the second half in two straight games. So what does that tell you? Yeah, yep, very true. So, all right, well, uh, thank you guys for the calls. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Irish Wolverine. Thank you for MGO Kirby. Uh, appreciate it. Um, and as always, if anybody else wants to call and leave a voicemail, you guys are always welcome. Um, we have spent like 20 minutes on voicemails, so good stuff, but did eat up a chunk of time. Like I said, moving forward, if more people leave voicemails, we might have to do our own segment slash episode kind of thing on voicemails, just to see how it goes. But anyways, so we have to move right along. And honestly... I don't really know where to start. I guess maybe where I will start is with the weather. And everybody knew what was going on. So I, I'm i going to mention the weather. for. I guess maybe I'll start off with this. Michigan State won the game. Michigan State gets the credit. Anything I say moving forward from this, positive or negative for Michigan State, does not take away that Michigan State won the game. 
Yep. Like, I'm not – this was not the crazy fluke end of the last game, which they still won and they still get credit for, but that's, you know, that's one of those one in a million kind of things. They played this game. They won it. I'm going to move forward, and I will have good things and bad things to say about Michigan. I will have good things and bad things to say about Michigan State. None of it says that Michigan won the game and Michigan State didn't because that would be contrary to what actually happened. But what I will say just about the weather, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, is both teams knew the weather was coming. Michigan State played like it was going to happen. Michigan acted like they didn't know that the rain was coming. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just no sense of urgency. Everybody knew that there was a good chance that it was going to be coming at or after halftime. And there was no sense for Mich- of urgency for Michigan in the first half. And I don't know who didn't get it in their head on thinking, hey, we ha- this is crazy, guys. Guess what? We have an offense that struggles. Struggles. <laughs> oh. When it's not bad weather, when it's right. normal weather, they cannot, they have not been productive. So yeah. guess what? Maybe we should try to be as productive as we can before the bad weather happens instead of being like, oh, crap, it's the second half and we're losing. Now we need to pull something out of our butt. Right. Well, you got Michigan State. Remember, Michigan State, I don't want to hear any more talk about well, it was a bad weather for Michigan, da, 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 da. and I'm going, wait, both teams had equally bad weather. They both were at it. Michigan State did exactly what they were supposed to do. They said, we're not going to turn over the ball this entire game, and we'll win it. And that's exactly what they did. They did not turn the ball over at all. It was almost a fumble, but they did not turn the ball over, and that's, it. that's what they did, and that's all they needed to do to win. They didn't have to score a point in the second half to win this game. That's what's so aggravating is we didn't, all we had to do was do incremental, just moving the ball methodically down, down there instead of throwing bombs in the wind and monsoons. We're talking about 35 passes, I believe in this game. And a lot of them, we got away from the run and we went back to passing in monsoon weather, at least 25 yards down the field. And you tell me, how that's going to work out for us. Like you said, we can't even do it. You tell me where our long pass is over 20 yards in a, in fair weather, but yet we, we're trying to do it in a monsoon weather. It makes no sense to me. Yep, absolutely. And I'm going to go back a little bit to what you said uh, just a moment ago about turnovers. Michigan State was the worst team in the Big Ten with turnovers, and Michigan couldn't get one. In bad weather. Couldn't get one. And, okay, right. that's going against the defense. And, again, like I said, honestly, like, yeah, there's some stuff where you can uh, – criticize isn't even the right word that I want to use, but point out where there could have been some improvement for the defense. Small little things, small little things. Because, uh, you know, Don Brown and his defense, I, 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 I don't feel right saying bad things about it, about them here in the past couple of games because they're playing so great. Um, but you know, that, that's how you get better. You always find room for improvement anyways. Um, but for a team that had the worst turnover margin in the big 10 to not even turn it over once in this game with this insane weather baffles me. And then Michigan turns over five times, which here, here's a little bit of a side argument where I have Michigan state. Don't get too high on yourself. You may be, maybe force two of those at most three. 
because there was no you you forced the running back fumble, you forced the uh, yeah, McKeon's I, fumble. Outside of that, one was total luck. You know the tip ball that he caught, and yep. then um, the other one was a quarterback throwing the ball in, like you have said, Craig, monsoon weather, which yeah. is the dumbest yeah. thing to have tried and the dumbest thing to uh, just dumb all the way around on how much it happened. So, yeah, congratulations. You got it. I mean, no, they, they did get it. They, they got the five turnovers, but forcing yeah. is kind of not the most appropriate word for all five of those turnovers. Yeah, you're not going to win. Plain and simple, you're not going to win ball games turning the ball over five times. It could have happened. Yeah, and we're talking about we're talking about a corn. Uh, you know, if we we're going to find a silver lining in a corn, is look, the guy could have been sacked ten times out of that game, but he only got sacked four times. But he's a good scrambler. <laughs> he actually got out of most of those. It would have been worse if it was spade. I think it would have been worse. Yeah, it's sack, and that's why I'm like going. This offense, there's something like you said. I I don't even know where to start because the very fact there's so many variables that are in this. It's not just the quarterback. It's not just this. It's not just that. It's a combination. It is the perfect storm, you know. No pun intended, but it is. It's the perfect storm of everything collaborating together to make a big like mush of things not working all together on this offense. So yeah, absolutely. I don't know even where to start, but did yeah. you, so uh, you saw Michigan state sack numbers. Did you see Michigan sack numbers? Yeah. Zero. <laughs> That's another thing with the defense. And again, I'm just putting yeah. the number out there. I'm not like bashing or anything, but it's just like when you got the number one defense in the country, you know, I kind of think you would get a sack. I feel really, I feel wrong with saying all this stuff because I know that, I'm I've a lot of what I've said is focusing on the defense, but then yet again, defense was what kept us in this game and did a fabulous job. But Michigan walked yeah. out of this with zero sacks, which I thought was crazy. But um this game has proved my fear for Michigan, what we've seen in all the other games leading up to this. All the four other games of what you could see happen really happened in this and it was magnified because of the weather situation. And so let yep. me kind of explain this real quick. Um, Michigan has been playing where everybody's like, Oh, we're a second half team. We're a second half team. You know, everything's going to be okay. Cause we're a second half team. We'll shut out the other team. All we have to do is score a few points and then we'll be fine. Okay. Case in point, this is a prime example. If you don't have the lead at halftime and your second half team and your offense can't do crap, you're going to lose the game. That's exactly what happened here. And I know weather contributed to it and everything, but, okay, imagine this. We're playing another game. Say that we're down by a touchdown or two touchdowns or something like that. And it's just like, oh, great, our defense can shut them down in the second half. Great. Can your offense score points? If your offense cannot score points in the second half, then it doesn't freaking matter what your defense does. Right. And this, this, yep. so this, the way this game played out, where it's just like, oh, it's 14 3 at halftime. That's okay. Our defense will shut them out. And then in the second half, we can do something. If your if your offense can't do anything, that's not that's not going to work for you. So right. this needs to be like uh, earmarked in everybody's play, uh, uh, jur- book, journal, whatever playbook, whatever you want to say moving forward. Because it's just like this is what we need to avoid. Take a take a tie in halftime, sure, but 
just to, and I feel like some people have that mentality, maybe some fans, maybe some coaches, maybe some players, where it's just like, we can be a second-half team. It's like, no, your defense can't. The offense is not reliable. Well, time to time, again, Michigan has shown, and it's really tough to, to figure this out, is we become this... It, it, and you know, I'll I'll go back. I'll go back to even that last year's. I went to the Michigan State game and against Michigan. Yeah, we won that game. But it, you know, I noticed the sidelines with the Michigan State team, and they were all jumping up and down, even though they were losing, kind of you know behind in the game. But they were still jumping. Michigan side, on the other hand, were walking the sidelines. They weren't jumping. We were winning, and they weren't even like we're going to beat you in your at your house. And I'm like, was something fundamentally wrong here? Because in the beginning of this game, it looked like, you know, Michigan was driving. We had some great drives. We were running the ball, a few little uh, passes, and we were driving. And what did we do? We go to the two fade passes in the corner. Back stupid. to that again. So stupid. stupid. So stupid. You went, you, you went away from running the ball, which worked. And then you get to the 15, I think it was 11-yard line, and you went to fade passes. One to McKeon, who's – I. A great tight end. He's got pretty good hands, and I kind of understand that because he's a tall guy. But then you do a fade pass to McDoom, and I'm like, wait a minute. The guy's not – he was he 6'1", maybe? He's not very tall. Why would you do a fade pass to him? Made no sense, and then we end up kicking a field goal. There's seven points gone right there. We had settled for three. So – and then we always – and then after that, you think, okay, we got the momentum, and then there's always – one play. One play always happens with Michigan and big rival games. And it's just literally, I set, I call it sets the tone for a Michigan game, and that was the Ty Isaac fumble. Right after that fumble, Michigan State scores at, scores seven points on a Lewerke run, which is very understandable because, you know, when you do run, when you do a 3-4 defense, he just, you know, found the middle and he, he was able to go and wasn't anybody catch up. But how do you bounce back from that? And that's the thing is Michigan should just bounce back and say, so what? Seven points, we got this. But they, it's like the the sale, the win was like let out of Michigan and the team. Didn't it feel like that? It just felt like after that, things just seemed to crumble over and over and over in this game. And you could just kind of see it happening. And I'm going, kid me. We're, this is the first quarter and we literally are losing this game. And that was really disheartening, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to go back uh, just a little bit in where you started with that, and you were talking about the attitude of the Michigan State players. Anybody who wants to talk about how, oh, well, this is like the Super Bowl for Michigan State or this is the biggest rivalry game for Michigan State, I don't want to hear it. It doesn't matter. That is, I, I understand where that conversation is coming from, but that is a dumb bullet point because every single game matters and this week, this was the game. The mm-hmm. game. No other game matters except for this game. So yep. if that mentality goes on with a player, that's stupid. Where it's just like, oh, this game's bigger for them. Mm-mm. Doesn't matter. The game we played against Cincinnati, biggest game that we had up to that point. It was that yep. game that week. So I don't think using that idea for anything is bad i mean using it for an example where some teams will come out and they will target a big team um 
and throw every single trick play that they have at them, that's a different conversation point. But when you're talking about um, a rivalry game, and this is a rivalry game, anybody who wants to talk about how, you know, the little brother mindset and, you know, they think that they matter, blah, 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 you may as well stop because it has been for when, when has Michigan had dominance with Michigan state right forever. That conversation just needs to stop. I never liked using the term little brother ever. And I had conversations with people on social media about it ever since that whole thing started. Michigan has sucked. Michigan has won some games. Sure. But Michigan has sucked against Michigan state. So if anything, I hate that term. Yeah. That term leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. And so if anybody's little brother, yeah, they say it and I'll agree with it. We're the little brother because of the way things have gone, gone, because they come in to the big house and they have their way with us. Yeah. They're not, they're maybe not the biggest flashiest wins, but they were unranked. We were number seven. Come on, come on now. Well, the thing is, this is a nice segue into even talking about Jim Harbaugh is I like, let's clear the air. You, it's like, we're, we'll get heated about that. And let's get heated about this too. Jim Harbaugh isn't going anywhere. Jim Harbaugh, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear Mark D'Antonio is a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. I don't want to hear that either. In fact, that's just ludicrous. Everybody knows that every Michigan fan knows that. It's dumb. I will say this, though. Uh, coach D'Antonio is a better coach when it comes to this game than the, this game only. He gets his players ready. He gets his players ready to go. But he is a better coach. I, ain't, I You can't deny that. He's a better coach when it comes to this game and this game only. Mark, coach D'Antonio outcoaches or does whatever he needs to do to get his team going, to get his team playing, get all the distractions out to beat Jim Harbaugh, and he has done it. Um, He might have not done it last year because they went 3-9. They're a terrible team, and yet this team's a little bit better. They're missing uh, Scott. Their best running back, they're missing Corley, one of their best receivers, gone, sus- you know, suspended and kicked off the team. They're missing weapons, and yet we couldn't muster up a win. So, you know what? It was on a platter for us. We didn't take it, and you got to tip your hat off to Coach D'Antonio, man. The guy knows how to get his team ready to go to play us, and until we have that mindset, they're always going to be a problem for us year in, year out. Yeah. Yeah, no, and and I do definitely agree with you. And we, I don't think we've ever come out and said that D'Antonio is a bad coach. I know that there are some people out there that say that. Some people in the Michigan fan base or outside the Michigan fan base might say that too. No, D'Antonio is a good coach. Um, maybe he's not the greatest or whatever, but he definitely puts a different level of, I don't know if you would say priority, but he, like you were saying, he shows up with this. He yeah. has his team show up yeah. for this. Yep. And guess who hasn't? Michigan hasn't. Nope. I mean, like, even when you watch it, like, you had a good example from last year, even when it was one. It was just like you kind of felt like, really, you know, with how good of a team we have, this is what happens. Like, <laughs> what what was it, nine nine point win, 11 point win or something like that? It's just yeah. like it should have been plenty more than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, should have yeah. been, like. Two touchdowns, three touchdowns, you know, something more like that. But, no, the way that we show up and play and everything, and it's almost like playing to the level of competition, it's just like no huge wins. Yeah. 
And that's just, and that's also saying, you know, obviously we're getting, you know, the heat and the the stones and arrows thrown at us on social media from other colleges and other places. And, you know, Paul Feinbaum talking about, you know, doing the comparison with Hoke. And you know what? It, it's ludicrous. It's ridiculous to even post that um, to say Jim Harbaugh hoax might be a little bit might be on the same level as Jim Harbaugh. It's just the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. He just needs to shut up. But um, my thing is, is we're talking about it, it's a little bit disheartening, I think, because our team should have won this game easily. And two, we're talking about a seven million dollar coach against and losing every almost every year to a three point eight million. That's that's a lot of money. <laughs> and that's a lot of money being thrown at a coaching staff on the Michigan side and not any really a lot of money on the Michigan State side. And that's the difference is we need to start treating we gotta start coaching our players up and getting ready for games like this. We just have to. Yeah, absolutely. And I I didn't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I've got a couple things to throw out there, too, where it's just like if you're comparing Hoke to Harbaugh, okay, I understand there are the numbers and things there and everything, but come on, it's dumb. It's really, really dumb. Hoke beat a fickle-led Ohio State team. Hoke beat Michigan State 12-10, to barely. And that's one of those games where you walk away and you're just kind of like, man, I don't think the better team won today. Yeah. And then so those uh, – there were three other times. So, he yeah, he beat both of them one time. Both yeah. of them one time. Three other times he faced MSU. This is just MSU. Three times he fo- faced MSU. He lost those games by combined total points of 61. Right. 61. The right. two times that Harbaugh has lost to Michigan State has been a total of eight points. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so go ahead and make your comparisons right off with that and whatever. We all know the develop. And here's a great segue. We all know the developmental issues that Hoke had. He was one of the worst, if not the worst, developmental coaches that Michigan has had. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And so Jim Harbaugh walks into that. He takes that team to a 10-win season. Yeah. The same guys. Yep. And he transforms that from a five and seven season. That's what Jim Harbaugh does. So you're yep. talking you're talking about those coaches are the same? Mm, mm, no. Shut it. Also, so we're talking about development issues. Talking about this current coaching staff. This is this falls on Jim Harbaugh. It really does because he is the head coach and he knows it. And it's his responsibility. Everything that happens under your leadership is your responsibility. Right. And so now, of course, yeah, there's gonna be some things that he's hands on on with and some things that he's not but something that needs to that the comparison should be made is that um the development of the defensive player we were talking about how young this team is how young this team is both offensively and defensively don brown comes in last year first year comes here second year develops everybody up has still won the top defenses in the country yeah same situation for offense no one is developed. That nope. is a huge issue and concern that we were working with before Harbaugh came to town with the entire team. Thank God that's working with defense, but now it's still an issue with the offense. So you know where that really points to? Who has been here the same amount of time that Jim Jim Harbaugh has? That's Tim Drevno. Yeah. Somebody oh, make an argument yeah, for me. Talk about 
that. Why yeah, we- Drevno is still here and why he should be here after this season is done. Somebody make an argument. I'd like to hear it. And I know that Steven talked about it. And I know I said I was going to get to it later. Somebody make an argument for why Drevno should still be here after the season. I would like to hear it, but I do not see the development. I do not see anything that makes sense why he should be here after this year. Yeah, because you think about all facets of this game, point to him. You think about the offensive line. The offensive line is terrible. That right, It's amazing. We're at five games, and we still don't know. We're still adjusting the offensive line. You know that? We keep moving parts in and out. We had uh, Bush Beatty that couldn't block with a darn, so we had to move him out and get him. The only player that seemed to do well that day was Kugler, who seemed to do you know pick up the one and two blocks at, uh, at a time. And I'm like, it's great. You know, he played great, but. The, the, the offensive line is just atrocious. In fact, I counted like two and a half seconds to block. And O'Corn's running for his life in this game. And, you know, I don't blame him. It's just like there's nothing there. And then you think about and then you go, okay, the offensive line is just trash. They can't do anything. They're missing uh, key parts. They're not getting low. They're not they're, – it's just so poorly developed. And then you go, okay, not only is that bad. Then you go, okay, let's go to the receivers. They're dropping balls left and right. They can't, you know, they're not even catching right. They can't even catch a simple ball. You know, McDoom with that terrible ball's right in his hands and he's, he takes his eye off it just for a split second and, he's, and he drops it. And then you got, we're talking about, we're talking five games. Listen to this stat five games. You know who has the most yards? At 100. That's Grant Perry. That's your slot guy. <laughs> you know who's next? McEwen. He's the next guy, yep. <laughs> and the uh, the third guy on the on the who's the next uh, player to actually have the most yardage. He's sitting on the bench, hurt. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He was up there. I knew he was up there. Yeah, and so I'm going. You're kidding me. Your best receiver is Perry. In fact, Perry dropped a ball too. By the way, in that game, that was a de- dreadful. Uh, usually, he sure-handed, and he was you know that was a terrible drop too by him, and that just led to you know, spiraling down. But it, that's that's offense, isn't it? That's offensive line, offense, you know, receivers aren't doing anything. And then you got quarterback development who who is scrambling that might be able to get the ball open. And what's he do? Not only is he he's throwing the ball, he's not even throwing them out of bounds. He's throwing them down the field into double and triple coverage. And so I'm going, we don't even have a quarterback that really is playing very smart either is why you would throw a ball in a monsoon down the field with double and triple coverage makes no sense to me on why to do that. You know, trying to make a big play, I don't know. But um, all those facets, like you said, and then you get the running backs. Higdon seemed to be doing the best, and yet you went away from the running game. You went away from what worked. And everything, in the, and, and it's all its glory is sitting here, and it's just a. Um, I don't even know where to like begin where to you can't point the finger at one thing because this was bad and this was bad and this was bad. So, and it's all on Drevno, man. He's the offensive coordinator. If you think about it, I mean, he really is. So it's gotta be on him. Yeah. And just play calling, you know, he mentioned the play calling was terrible. It was really atrocious. Well, yeah. Well, we were talking, you were talking about stupid plays with those uh, fade passes before, but yeah. yeah. And and so to uh, expound upon that stupid plays, stupid thought process, like it just does, it doesn't make sense. And, and then uh, I don't know if you saw this, but, and I don't, I don't know this. I don't catch this myself, but I've heard this from 
multiple sources that there were 40 different offensive formations in the first half for Michigan. Yeah. That's what I heard, too. Okay, he I, did, I did not play college football, but is that not, like, a freaking ridiculous large <laughs> yeah. amount? Yo, that's, no, that's a boatload. Okay, so so answer this question to me then. In a monsoon, by the way. Yes, in a monsoon. That, that's that's not so much an issue that I see with this here, right. but makes sense with the with for this, for me. 40 different formations in just the first half. So who knows what that adds to in the second half. But 40 different formations. You are coming in here with one of the youngest teams probably the school has ever seen, but one of the te- youngest teams in the nation this year. Mm-hmm. You play to your team's best abilities. Yep. They're young. They were playing – a lot of them were playing high school uh, football last year. So why do you think – Overcomplicating things and adding more different formations helps anything. You know what that helps? The other team. That helps the other defense because your offense is confused and making mistakes and they can't do things right. Focus on a little and do it really freaking well so that you can do a good freaking job and be productive instead of doing so many stupid things that you don't even know what thing is your, uh, what part of it is your strength. So you're just trying out all these stupid little experiences to see, oh, what might work and what might not. When your offense offense is just off by a little bit, the defense capitalizes. Yeah, if you can't do 10 things right in the playbook, why do you think you can do 40? I mean, what what is opening up the playbook? I mean, so you're opening up the playbook. I know it's vanilla, but I'm like – Given the circumstances of that game, you had to be more vanilla than you could. But I'm, that's why I'm like, if you think about in the first drive that we had in that game, it was great. Great push off the line. Great offensive blocking for the running backs to get going. It led to a corn having a little bit of good, uh, able to uh, uh, throw the ball a little bit here and there and moving that ball down quickly. We moved the ball quickly. And then we just got away from it. I don't even know. I don't understand when it works. It's like we almost say, boy, that worked. Let's just break it. <laughs> it's working. Let's break it. How do you break that? Let's go away from the running. Let's go away from the things that are working. And it makes no sense to me, some of the play calls, some of these running plays. It seemed like they were so – it looked like they were just un creative. You know what I mean? There was nothing creative about it. And it was just – a part of me is just so furious because I was just I couldn't believe that we couldn't even do the little things to move the ball down the field. It, it was like you know what it looked like. It, it reminded me in the second half we were trying for the big play. You know what I mean? When we went back to the way Devin Gardner used to play, would we look for the big play to score the home run instead of doing the little uh, first bases? Just get a you know just get the first base. Just get the first, second base. Just get the third base, and then you can get a run. But they're not even doing that. It's like the home run hit, like uh, Wilton Spate would do in the first what, couple games. He would throw a bomb down to the the end zone. Hopefully he'd get somebody to catch it. Um, I, I just want to see a drive, a, a, a simple drive that scores in a, a, a game like that. You know what I mean? In a game like this, this matters. And somehow we got away from it. Yeah, no, it's I, you see some of those things too. And oh man, what was it? The year uh, it was the year that Ohio State won the championship. Then I think because there was the playoff game of Oregon versus Alabama. I remember watching that game. Oregon kept doing uh, one specific play, like almost every single new set of downs. 
Um, it wasn't quite that often, but it was every every single possession they had the ball. They did this play at least once, mm-hmm. and I can't remember exactly what it was. It was passed down the line to one of the receivers um, uh, right down the line, and they were getting, I don't know, probably anywhere between three and five yards for it. You know what? It was working. They were doing it. You know what then happened? Alabama adjusted for it. And when Alabama adjusted for it, they had the next play set for burning them the uh, burning them the opposite direction. So when they adjusted for it, that's when they capitalized. That's what you do. When you find something successful, you don't quit doing it and try to mess things up yeah. and try to be like, ho, 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 we're being tricky. Watch right. this now over here. It's like do it until they catch on. Then do it one more time. Make them think that you're just going to keep doing it. Then throw something else in there because they're going to be waiting and prepared for that. But, no, that's not the thought process here, it seems like, with these offensive coordinators. And here's this. Which one? Who's calling what? Have you been hearing about this, how there's multiple people calling plays, but Jim Harbaugh has the final say? Okay, that's that's fine. Jim Harbaugh has the final say. It should be on the offensive coordinator call plays. But the players don't even know who's really making the final call on some of the plays. I know, and you're absolutely right. And that's why I'm like going, you know what uh, this year's sweep from last year is? The the fade drop, fade uh, passes to the corner of the end zone. That's what the fade, the sweep is this year. It seems to – we always try it. It really doesn't work, but we keep trying it until we maybe get one. And it just doesn't work at that part. I just, every time they go to do that, I just literally cringe because it just, it's not worked once this year. So why do we keep doing it? And then the times where I'm like, pass it through the middle, get the middle going. We got to get to the middle, start passing to the middle. And then we did Perry caught that ball and he almost scored a touchdown got his butt down before the end zone. But that worked. It was a, it was a pass towards the middle and it worked. And I was like, there you go. Let's keep doing that. And then we get away from it. And it just makes no sense to me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, so this, this is honestly kind of what I feel has happened in the three years that Drevno has been here. Uh, I, I, I don't really have anything to base this off of, but this is just kind of speculation. <clears throat> Drevno comes in with Jim Harbaugh, the new staff, his first year and everything. What do you often do your first year when you come into a new program and you're essentially wanting to establish yourself and start from scratch. You keep things simple. That is why we saw some relatively good production from the team and everything. I know we had a great quarterback in Jake Rudock. Um, uh, but I think after that first year, then it was just like, oh, great. Now, now we can start doing our other things and start changing things up. Okay, fine. You can start doing that. But then it's almost kind of like you feel like you have to get more complex and more complicated as each year passes. And it's just like, look, you're essentially coming in here like it's almost the first year again. I know you have some players that have been under the system for a little while, but you also have a lot of these fresh players where if they're not brand new to the school and the system this year, they were new last year, and they didn't get a lot of playing time. So why in the world would you ever consider making things more complicated? And why has it taken us five games yeah. A game that we had two weeks to prepare you for. You get the offensive line down, yeah. Yeah, for you to think, hey, you know yeah. what? Maybe we should just focus on doing a few things really, really, really freaking good instead of trying to do a million things mediocre. Right. And then you're going, and then you hear the argument, well, it's a very young offensive team. And I'm like, but the in this particular game, most of the turnovers came from veterans. What are you talking about? 
Isaac, Acorn, McEwen. I mean, they all turned the ball over. So don't you can't say that. It just seems like a a poor it, it seems like in all facets it's a poorly run team. And I'm wondering if it's just you know, there's times where I'm going it has to fall on the offensive coordinator because rarely is Michigan explosive on offense, are they? Usually we're known we know for our defense for like you said, the past couple of years. The offense, on the other hand, the last time we were explosive was what, against Rutgers? Meaning you know, something like that? I don't know. When we had uh, Rudock. So I'm always kind of like wondering, you know, where's that explosiveness? Where's that veteran leadership on the offensive you know, side of the ball? I don't even think we have that. What Michigan's really looking for, we need a Don Brown of the offense. And we don't really have that right now. We're not seeing it whatsoever. Yeah. Well, let me say this, too, talking about stupid play calls and different things like that. The I don't think anyone should really hate on O'Corn for this game. No. I, because yeah, because right. he was put in a bad situation for this. And he owned it, and I think he should. And he knew he had a bad game. He knows that he shouldn't just chuck the ball down the field. Yeah, but he was, he at, he was put in a situation where he was yeah. told to when he shouldn't have. Like right. you were just stating, the running game was working. Right. We didn't need to run it that much. Or right. we didn't need to pass it that much. You know why things looked better for Michigan State and everything? is because they weren't stupid and they didn't pass a lot because they had a lead. And all they had to try to do, which they weren't able to until the very end of the game, was get some first downs or just chew up some time. How do you do that? You run the ball. Michigan was stuck in a tough situation. O'Corn was stuck in a worse situation because yeah. they were putting in his hands to win the game. And here are some things. Um and I'm definitely not uh, stealing this, but getting uh, some information. He always has great stuff. Nick Bumgarner broke it down excellently where there was a situation in the second half in the monsoon weather where, or maybe just after, by it was, no, it was still raining at that time. There was a third and three empty backfield for Michigan, who yeah. was, was dealing with four sacks on the yeah. night. Didn't put an extra player in the backfield even to help blocking. You need three it, yards. It, why it, why yeah, would you throw? Receiver, right. Yep. No no one is helping block, so you're essentially saying, screw you, QB. You're going to have no time to pass this. Right. And it's a terrible weather to be doing that. I think it resulted in a in a interception and everything, but another stupid play call. But here are some numbers, too, that he put in his article and everything that just make you, you know, pull the hair out of your head. Um, Michigan's uh, three possessions when it was raining and winding, uh, windy at its strongest. Jim Harbaugh, Pepper Hamilton, Tim Drevno, whoever it was, had O'Corn drop back eight times. Yeah. Three yeah. of those were the interceptions. <laughs> what, I, where do you find the possibility for there to be any success there? You find, no quarterback put in that situation is going to have a lot of success. Put Baker Mayfield back there. Put anybody back there. There's nobody with that set of receivers and that offensive line that is going to have a lot of production in that situation. So I don't understand why they're pu- saying putting in O'Corn, who used to be the backup, which honestly, you know, like I've said, I don't think there's a vast and crazy amount of difference between Will and O'Corn, just the different play styles. But you're right. putting in the player that you labeled as the backup and saying you're good enough you're essentially Heisman material because we're going to put you in the worst situation that nobody wants to put their quarterback in, and we're going to ask you to pull off some miracle. Yeah, and you're going to throw it to your 
best receiver, which is a slot guy who has 100 yards in five games or four games at that point. So five actually now, but yeah, makes a lot of sense. I know it makes no sense to me. Some of his play calls makes zero sense why you would do a five uh, receiver set and nobody out back there to block him. It, and you're right. He was doomed from the beginning. He was running for his life. He never had any time to throw at all. And he even said, I didn't just couldn't find anybody even scrambling. He did the best he could. And yeah, I mean, it's overall bad. I just even sometimes I just think about, you know, even the running backs, if they're doing their job. But yeah, that right side of the offensive line is just it's not good. It's not developed. And to move the pieces around at this stage in the game, it, you know, we're talking five games in and we still don't know what we're going to do there is just mind boggling. And I just, like you said, a lot of something's going to have to change. Something's going to have to happen. And I don't know what that is, but something's got to give. I mean, it really does because we're not going to win too many more games if we keep playing that and this is where i talk about you know and you and i will talk about this is if you don't get the, those things that nailed down you've got indiana coming up and like you said upset alert yeah <laughs> so. the only game that i feel comfortable about right now is Rutgers, but not to move too far away from things um i know that people were getting mad at corn talking saying happy fee and everything like that can you blame the guy no. Can you blame the guy with he's the situation actually, that was put in? pretty good. The he's offensive line. Good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The offensive he line sucked. Yeah, he got out of a lot. <clears throat> and they pulled him. They pulled blockers from him with an yeah, empty backfield. So what, what, what? I mean, you can't blame the guy that much. I mean, he got sacked four times while the other quarterback didn't even get sacked once. And so, yeah, when somebody's barreling down on you or close to, can you blame him for moving? No, you really can't. I mean, this was just... A complete offensive dumpster fire. I mean, where is the hitch place to your running back when you you're in, in, in trouble? You know what I mean? Where's your, you know, the the offensive line's not blocking, and then when it collapses, like within a second, you want to go okay, and then I'm going to do some quick, you know, dump passes over the line to my running back and get some blockers out there and my fullback and tight ends to help out. But there was none of that either. It was just all out. Just, I mean, it really was head scratchers all, all, pretty much all night on the plays. I just literally was at, like you mentioned, that third and three was just absolute. I just did not understand that. Yeah. So um, we've already broken over an hour. Um, wrap it up with, I guess, a few final thoughts here and everything. I'm not going to even go into a regular kind of closing stuff, but basically, then, all right. So, so here's the thought. Uh, and I'll just uh, blast off my few things, and then, uh, Craig, you can share some of your final thoughts, too, and everything. Michigan State won the game. Don't care how you say it, how you break it down, they won the game. Can't take it away from them. Can't try to say uh, Michigan lost, blah, 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 uh, even though it was really their own fault. Whatever. Michigan State won. Credit due to them. Um, there is There are definitely issues that Harbaugh needs to take care of. This, like I said, this is Harbaugh's leadership. He is responsible for everything that happens underneath of him, even if he's not directly hands-on. This is Harbaugh's team. If there's a problem, he needs to fix it. That being said, uh, I, he's still a great coach. I think he's a fantastic coach. Anybody who thinks he needs to go, I think, is an idiot because it's just—it's not even three complete years yet. 
and we knew this was going to be a rough year. So yeah. I don't know where you guys are coming off with that. Anyways, I'm not saying this is the problem, but I think this is where things need to be addressed, and we spent a lot of time on it. Tim Drevno, make an argument for why he should stay. I'll hear you out, but I think he needs to go, and you need to get somebody in there. You need to find somebody good, find somebody electric. I know you're not going to – I honestly don't believe you're able to. If you can, I would be so excited. But you're not going to get the Don Brown – offensive version of Don Brown. But get the closest thing you can because what you got is not working, whether yep. it's the system or whatever. Am I not mistaken? And that, that kind of wraps up my thoughts and everything. But am I not mistaken where Don Brown runs the defense? Like, that is Don Brown's defense, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. why are we not looking at the offense the same way and saying this is Tim Drevno's offense? Right. It's yeah. not because Tim Drevno, Pep Hamilton – uh, plays call from Harbaugh and things like like where where does it begin and where does it end? What uh, what is it? It's not it's yeah. nothing. It's a mess. The, the way the defense is formatted is working. The offense is not. I know that's structured differently because you don't have a quote unquote quarterback position on defense, but still, it doesn't matter. You need it clean. You need someone leading it. You need someone driving it. You need someone like Don Brown for the offense, and we are far from that. No, you're right. And I'll 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 just say this, and this is going to be kind of, you know, now that I look back at it, and you know, there's a lot of talk out there also saying most people thought that we'd went we we went we would probably lose about four games, and they're kind of hope clinging to that. So eight and four, something like that. And that's the realistic part. Um, I will say this and, you know, I understand that now, you know, I can understand people saying four games. Now that I look at it, I can see that. But one of the disheartening things I was, was thinking back to the spring game. And I went back cause I was at that game and I was able to watch that live. And I saw it said to myself, there's a defense that's really, really good. It's good. And there's an offense that's got a lot of struggles on route running, blocking. Uh, The offensive line did not block very well in the spring game. And the quarterbacks all had kind of happy feet in a way. I mean, can you blame them? The pocket's collapsing. And then you just got got quarterbacks. You've got two quarterbacks who can't handle pressure when it comes to that. It's not their fault. What I'm saying is when it happens, you've got veteran quarterbacks that just don't know what to do. You know, they literally don't know how to handle pressure like most some other quarterbacks maybe can better. We just don't have them. And I look back and I'm like, we're not any different right now than that spring game. We haven't improved on offense. We haven't gotten better since spring game. And the offensive line has not gotten better. And our quarterback play has not gotten better since then. It's the same anemic offense since the spring game. And the de- you know it's basically the defense has surprised me how good they are and the secondary has and the offense has surprised me on how worse they are and how bad this is and that's where I'm looking at it is it's not much different from what that game was and you'd think there'd be improvements there was on defense really really wasn't much on offense from there so yeah it's kind of weird being this this far into the season and we still haven't we've seen that kind of play still on the offense. Yep. 
Absolutely. So that, uh, I mean, we are overtime, and I think that sums up things pretty well. Uh, we touched on a lot. I know we definitely didn't touch on everything, but uh, here it is on Monday night. Um, what, two, uh, how would you say it, technically two or three nights removed from the game, and it is still hot and tempered because this is or tempers flaring and everything because this, it, it, I, I don't know. It just seems ridiculous. And I know that a lot of the fan base uh, shares the yep. same thoughts. Because I live in East Lansing, dang it. That's why it's hot. I'm still hot because I have to walk, look at a blow-up Sparty guy right in front, across the street from me, and that stinks. So, yeah, I'm hot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I have carried this um, ever since Harbaugh got, got here and not saying that I do not have faith in Michigan or him or anything like that, but it's just like I'm still waiting for everything to be established and for there to be a consistency to Michigan. Right. Before I even really do much of anything for trash talking because but this is this is what happens. This is what has been happening and everything and you know it sucks afterwards. So yeah. we're it, it's going in the right direction. I know people are so mad and everything, but it's crazy because some people at the beginning of the year were just like, oh, man, it's going to be like 8-4, maybe 9-3. And then it's just like here we suffer a loss, and then everybody loses their minds. It's like yeah. some people were predicting four losses. Then how can you be so losing your mind about this? I don't know. Anyways, we're done. Uh, well, you like we said, we've kind of based it down, you and I, in this past five games. We've said sooner or later the offense is going to have to – pick it up and win a game for us. And this was a perfect game for them to pick it up in the second half to win that game. And they didn't do it. And we, we saw it. The defense has done as well as they could and has been kicking it all year round. And you got where we said that we go, heck, this offense is going to have to do something. One, one, it's going to have to come down to a really close game in a weird time the offense is going to have to win the game for us, and they just they came up short. So Yeah, and I know what you mean by perfect game because it was a perfect example of that situation, but oh, not yeah. the perfect circumstances because that's the thing. Because of that stupid weather, I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing this, but honestly, if the weather was not a factor in the second half, Michigan could have won. Maybe would have won because the defense was lights out for Mich- for Michigan. And they just needed some, you know, normalcy for the offense to maybe do something else in the second half. I know they got those seven points in the third quarter and everything. But, yeah, so I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that for what it's worth. But time is up. Time is out. We're going to end there. And uh, everything is moving on towards Indiana because that is the game coming up this weekend. So um, hopefully people can enjoy their week, even though it has been – totally crappy yeah, um, yeah. but make the best of it um, it's not the end of the world uh, Jim Harbaugh is still the coach he's not going anywhere but uh, there is always kind of a silver lining somewhere but we'll finish things off with go blue go blue